This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, January 13th, 2023. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, the growing violence aimed at women journalists, how educators help teachers in war zones, the Labour Start report about union events and singing. A woman's place is in her union. We organize and stand for equal rights, hardships and discrimination. Ongoing battles we continue to fight. This is Radio Labour. Typically, some of the threats that have been aimed at women journalists have absolutely focused on sexualized smears, accusations of them being prostitutes, threats to target their children. And it's absolutely behavior that's designed to silence. And whilst a lot of that happens online, it also does spill out into real-life stalking and harassment. Michelle Stanistreet is the General Secretary of the National Union of Journalists in the United Kingdom. In a recent webinar, she spoke about the increasing threats of violence being aimed at journalists, especially women journalists. The webinar was organized by the International Federation of Journalists. The IFJ represents 600,000 media workers from 187 labor organizations in more than 140 countries. Safety has become one of the most defining issues for journalists in a generation, and that's particularly the case for women. That makes it a defining issue for us as trade unionists and leaders of our unions. We know that impunity is a scourge right across the journalistic community globally, and it's one that the NEJ and all of our sister unions around the world have been working very hard with the IFJ as part of our commitment to stamp that scourge out. But safety isn't just an issue in conflict zones or in regimes led by dictators and despots or or in places where organised crime is is rife. It's absolutely a big issue for NEJ members and our journalists working right across the UK and Ireland where we've seen a really concerning increase and spike in the number of cases involving our members, particularly over the last two years with journalists increasingly being harassed and singled out for attack simply for doing their job. The kind of examples that I'm talking about are very diverse. We've seen countless incidents of photographers and reporters being shouted at, abused, chased, physically attacked on the streets whilst they've been covering demos and protests, especially through the COVID period. We've had many cases of far-right activists issuing death threats to journalists on social media, putting their home addresses and information on their families out into the public domain. The first lockdown, one of the cases we had very early in the first lockdown in the UK was a woman reporter who works for a local newspaper who had to flee her home with her six-year-old daughter after the police came to tell her there were credible threats against her life and against her daughter's life. And our research, and backed up by the research that we've been part of with the UK government, shows that shows very clearly that women and black and minority ethnic journalists 
are especially targeted. They face a, a double or a triple whammy as journalists trying to do their work. We've dealt with cases of women reporters who've been targeted with threats of rape and sexual violence, threats to be set on fire, to have their throats slit, threats to rape their young baby or maim their children. And it's absolutely behaviour that's designed to silence. And whilst a lot of that happens online, it also does spill out into real life stalking and harassment involving perpetrators turning up in workplaces or even at journalists' homes. And it kind of creates that constant pressure as a backdrop to people's working lives. And most male reporters who've taken part in our research studies have always said, no matter how much abuse their own work might garner, it's never on the same scale as many of their female colleagues. Many of them, in looking at this as an issue, have been deeply shocked to realise the extent of harassment and abuse that their women colleagues working in the same newsrooms might be experiencing every single day. You can hear an extended version of the report by Miss Stanistreet on the Radio Labour website. That was Radio Labour C. Marie Ainsborough reporting. Investing in education is the best option to bring peace. That is Johannes Benti, a member of the Board of Education International. EI is the Global Union for Teachers and Other Education Workers. It represents more than 30 million workers who are members of 400 labor organizations in 172 countries. EI supports education workers who are trying to bring free public quality education to students all around the world. One of the ways it does that is to help education organizations in war zones. An example is Ethiopia, a country in the Horn of Africa. The country has a population of 106 million. In November 2020, the Ethiopian government began military operations in Tigray, a region in the north of the country. The fighting forced more than 2 million people to flee their homes and left at least 2.3 million in need of assistance. A fragile peace was established in November 2022. Here's Mr. Benti. The northern part of Ethiopia, there was a war um, that began in November 2020. Um, That has really affected a lot. Uh, Schools were closed and and some, some of them were destroyed. Um, uh, education was not conducted, so teachers are also affected. Um, the impact of the war was really huge, um, not only schools, but also um, social services like health and others were really not serving, and uh, the impact was really huge. We have been writing letters now and then to the concerned authorities um, to stop war and to sit down and negotiate. Um, there are also displacement of teachers from there, and uh, then we requested the government to pay their salaries. Um, in some cases, that was not possible, but uh, there are teachers who um, displaced from there and who came to Addis Ababa. Uh, we requested the government for the replacement until the time that uh, the condition in Tigray uh, will become normal, and uh, we are on the process. For us, we have tried to to support them financially, so in solidarity. Um, uh, in, in some borders of uh, the Tigray region, also in in, in uh, Amhara region, for example, 
there was schools destroyed, there was um, um, teacher houses destroyed, so we supported financially to some extent. Um, so what we have been trying was just to, to stop the war. Uh, we reported the matter to the regional committee, uh, Africa Regional Committee. Africa Regional Committee has discussed on the matter two times, and we have adopted two resolutions uh, each year. Uh, we have submitted the report to the concerned authorities of the Ethiopian government. Um, and then uh, still, um, the war continued. Then in August 31, uh, we have um, released the press to the local media uh, to request the parties to stop war and negotiate. Uh, now that it is a good news, we have heard last November the parties have agreed to stop war and negotiate on the matter. Yeah. Investing in education is the, the best option um, to bring peace because peace education, I mean, I mean uh, supporting children learn about tolerance, coexistence, peace education. Um, I mean, the value of education is enormous and uh, investing in education, investing in quality education uh, is the best remedy to bring peace. Uh, so, yeah, it's very important. Yeah, it's well researched, well discussed, and still we advocate for investment, investing in education. Here with his report about union events is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. This week, our top stories section included links to coverage of the growing controversy surrounding the newly elected General Secretary of the International Trade Union Confederation, a clear defeat for Amazon in the United States in its campaign to crush organizing efforts in its facilities in New York State, and an interview with the courageous leader of an independent trade union in Iran, who provides us with her take on the protests that are rocking the regime there. We also carried news of the labor movement's reaction to the attempted coup in Brazil earlier this week, including coverage of the efforts made by Brazilian unions to secure key locations and facilities across that country. And of course, we had continuing coverage of the wave of wage strikes sweeping the world, but most especially the United Kingdom, where public transport, healthcare, and public sector workers are leading the way, but are soon to be joined by firefighters. But my favorite top story of the week was one detailing the growing solidarity between nurses in Portugal and in the United Kingdom. As they face identical challenges, their unions are developing joint responses. On our Working Women page, you will find news detailing how the United Kingdom's push to terminate the worker protections it retained after Brexit are being threatened and why that threat is especially dangerous for women workers. We also carried an examination of the role of women in Spain's care sector and some very good news from Indonesia where women workers continue to organize and continue to win workplace improvements. And, sadly, we also had yet more coverage of the dismal conditions for women workers on Australian construction sites where they lack even the most basic sanitary facilities. A small sample of the stories appearing on our health and safety page in Newswire this week included a look at the lives of the 12 healthcare workers killed in an explosion at a South African hospital on Christmas Eve, 
the horrible death of a crusading journalist in Bangladesh, and how Irish public transport workers scored a victory against workplace harassment this week. Labor Start hosts online solidarity actions at the requests of unions around the world. This week, we'd like to highlight urgent appeals for online solidarity with trade union activists in Belarus, Turkey, the Philippines, Canada, Myanmar, and Kazakhstan. If you can spare just a few seconds, you can do your part in these struggles by sending a solidarity message. Look for details of these and other campaigns on our site. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is Union Nation with A Woman's Place. A woman's place is in her union. We organize and stand for equal rights, hardships, and discrimination. Ongoing battles we continue to fight. Dedicated to get the job done. A woman's place is in her union. Fearless and productive, embracing and strong. I'm a union woman, and this is where I belong. When you need a helping hand Walk with me brothers and sisters in this nation Let the world know all about our situations We'll overcome all the evils in the workplace And make this world better for the union race Dedicated to get the job And that's it. Labor news you can use. You can listen to our daily newscasts and features at radiolabor.net. Radio Labor journalists are unionized with the Canadian Media Guild and Unifor and accredited by the International Federation of Journalists. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.